All right, good morning, everybody. This is Dakota with Old History. Uh, this is going to be my Sunday morning podcast instead of Saturday morning. I was too busy yesterday, couldn't get around to it. I apologize. So, this morning I want to talk about the Tennessee Coal Wars of the 1890s. Uh, just to shorten it up, so if nobody wants to listen to the whole thing, uh, in the 1890s, uh, namely in Anderson County, Anderson County and Campbell County, Morgan and Roan, uh, those counties, uh, you know, Oak Ridge, uh, there was a violent uprising of miners who fought against the Tennessee militia to abolish the use of convicts in the mines. So, what exactly was it? Well, um, just just to start, let's back up to, to after the Civil War, which now we know that as the Reconstructive Era. The Southern states were, were flat broke, and uh, a legislation was enacted that allowed Southern states to lease convict laborers to private industry as forced labor, working coal mines and plantations and railroads, etc. So not only did states save money by not having to build prisons, but the revenue from convict labor, convict labor force was a significant part of the budgets in southern states. So in 1877, a labor dispute resulted in the first convict laborers being brought to the Coal Creek area to work in the now abandoned uh, Knoxville Iron and Coal Company, KICC, Mine Number 1, which is located in the Y community. Back then, mining jobs were plentiful, as uh, in places such as Windrock Mountain, you drive down through there, you can still see uh, remnants of the old coal mines, which is still pretty cool to me. Uh, so continuing on, uh, mining jobs were plentiful back then, like I said. So the coal miners who lost their jobs could find work at the mines in nearby Bryceville, Freighterville, and Beach Grove. <coughs> Excuse me. Others left the area to go mine Angelico, Soddy Daisy, uh, and going on to Kentucky. Uh, but the mortality rate for the convict miners was extremely high because they had no experience in mining. And there was no financial little to no financial incentive to provide safe working conditions for them. So if a convict miner died, the state would simply send out a new convict to replace the one who died at no cost to the mine owner or the state. After another strike in 1891, the miners would try to would try a peaceful resolution and they marched the convicts and the guards down to Coal Creek, which is now called Lake City. Um, either, yeah, Lake City or Rocky Top. Um, they put them on the train to Knoxville and sent, him, sent a letter to Governor Buck Buchanan explaining their actions and offered to meet to resolve the situation. But it was only after Governor Buchanan, who was accompanied by three other mining companies, tried to sell miners to the idea of convict laborers. Now, the free miners refuted his claims, pointing out that the mass mass graves in the hillside above the KICC mine in the Y community could not be justified on the basis of economics alone. 
So having failed at selling the idea, Buchanan gave his commissioner of labor, who at that time was George Ford, the task of investigating the claims about the poor working conditions of the convict miners. After he obviously found that the miners were working in unfit conditions, the convicts were removed from the KICC mine. He offered a compromise he offered a compromise to allow convicts to remain in the mines where they had worked prior to the conflict, provided that the mine met spe uh, specified safety standards. But the miners refused after more negotiations. Well, they, excuse me, their miners refused, but after more negotiations that did not sit well with the free miners, they decided to go to war. They again surrounded the stockades where the convicts were housed. The heavy out, heavily outnumbered militia, led by Colonel Granville Severe, who was a distant relative of Tennessee's first governor, surrendered. The free miners marched the troops, guards, and convicts from the stockade in Tennessee Holler and the Y community to the town of Coal Creek. Well, they were put back on a train to Knoxville in July 1892. Governor Buchanan sent more troops to Coal Creek, more disarming of the troops by miners, burning of the stockades and, mar and marches to the train station in Coal Creek. Excuse me, let me back up. In July 1892, Governor Buchanan sent more troops to Coal Creek and disarmed more disarming of the troops by the miners. The miners burned stockades and uh, they, there was more marches to the train station in Coal Creek. Finally, in January 1892, 1893, excuse me, Governor Buchanan sent a large con contingent of troops to supervise the convict laborers who built Fort Anderson on Militia Hill in the Y community. On two occasions, he contacted the Washington, uh, Washington D.C. about sending in federal troops if needed to support the Tennessee militia against the miners. Fort Anderson had the ability to fire its cannons into the town of Coal Creek and at the Miner's Nest encampment on Walden Ridge, which forced a standoff with the miners. The soldiers developed a habit of loading oyster cans filled with mud into their six-pound howitzers and firing them into Coal Creek where they would splatter on Main Street. After the war had spread to the town of Oliver Springs, Tracy City, and Inman, miners laid siege to Fort Anderson as part of a coordinated attack on the convict labor system. The commander of the fort, who was Colonel Keller Anderson, met with businessmen and miners who were drinking buddies of his in Coal Creek to reach a settlement. He would be captured by a group of miners who ordered him to surrender the fort or be hanged. His reply, if you are determined to kill me, take me out and shoot me and tell my daughter I died game. This made him an instant hero with the national media covering the war. Now, after Major Daniel uh, Carpenter's Warhorse, Warhorse was his nickname, uh, his troops got lost marching up to the top of Walden's Ridge, where they were met with minor, miners at Star Rock, in what became known as the Battle of Fatal Rock. They were forced to retreat back to Knoxville. Exhausted, the old Warhorse had to be hauled back to the railroad in a farm wagon. And the press proclaimed the soldiers as heroes who valiantly fought off the 500 miners with only 200 fate, only two fatalities, several wounded. When, in reality, 
half a dozen sentries had hollered, Surround them, boys, making the soldiers think there were 500 miners. Now, now, in all honesty, the soldiers were probably killed and wounded by friendly fire during their scramble down Walden Ridge. The governor had sent the entire state militia with Gatling guns and heavy artillery, taking hostages and threatening to level the town of Connell Creek unless Colonel Anderson was released. Being heavily outnumbered and outgunned, the miners were forced to release Colonel Anderson and surrender by October 1892. Due to public sentiment for the free miners, the governor was not re-elected, and in November 1892, uh, Governor Peter Turney abolished the convict lease system in Tennessee, and the free remaining southern states soon followed Tennessee's lead and abolished the convict lease systems in their states. Now, the free miners of Coal Creek are credited with abolishing the convict lease system in the South, an institution that was worse than slavery. Troops remained at Fort Anderson until miner Dick Drummond was found hanging from a railroad bridge in Bryceville on 10 August 1893. Sixteen officers and enlisted men of the National Guard were arrested for the crime, but the county jail in Clinton lacked the facilities to hold them, so they were transferred to the jail in Knoxville. The trial, trial lasted six weeks, and Governor Peter Turney feared that the spectacle would incite the miners to renew hostilities that had ended the previous summer when the town of Coal Creek was put under martial law. To defuse the situation, he closed Fort Anderson and withdrew the Tennessee National Guard from Coal Creek. And out of there we have that story. So basically, the, the, prison, the convict miners were so inexperienced uh, that when they went in the mines, they pretty much would die immediately or within minutes of going in there. Uh, and you can still go up to Windrock Mountain and around that area and still find some of the graves on the hillside. And there are pictures of them all over the internet. Now, if you're interested in that kind of thing, I'd look them up. But they really, they didn't get a proper burial. They were just chucked in the clay and there was just a stone erected, a small stone or a pile of stones is what, what I've typically seen up there, uh, just in their honor. So I see this as an important, uh, pretty highly important stop along the uh, along the way to where we are today with miners rights and all that you know such things um, going on into the Harlan County Co uh, Harlan County Wars which that's just a whole other story in itself but you know just it's just another important stop um, with that being said I'm going to conclude this podcast for the morning and I hope everybody has a good Sunday and a good rest of your week.